It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yes, thanks very much to Mardo and Hayes, or Hayes and Mardo, for the run home. Peter Vlahos with you now on Drive. All thanks to our friends at Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Wherever you may be listening on uh, 657 SEN, maybe on SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury in the southwest, SEN Cal, Kalgoorlie in the Goldfield 1611, DAB Plus, Radio SEN Peel, or on the SEN WA app. It's great to have your company. Uh, a lot of talk today, and I'm, I'm probably a bit tired of it, really. You get to about 5 o'clock every day, and you've heard it all morning. You've heard it in the afternoon, and I'm talking about Jordan Degoe. Finally, it's come to finality. He's been fined $25,000 as punishment for the controversy generated by his mid-season trip to Bali last weekend. Hasn't it gone on and on and on? As we know, filmed making several crude gestures to the camera and at one point attempting to reveal the breasts of a female companion in the footage that drew, of course, as we know and as we've heard, substantial criticism from a series of former AFL players. Now, in his post, Dugowie lashed out at the persecution of athletes by the media, a response which was also criticised by the likes of former Collingwood coach Nathan Buckley, Find $25,000 to go. It will be suspended until the end of the season, uh, Collingwood said in a statement. And amid his apology, Degoe also revealed he was diagnosed in 2021 with ADHD, which he cited as a potential reason for his continued mistakes. Anyway, as I said, that's almost done and dusted. The penalty has been handed down. And the big question now is... And John Ralph, of course, leading uh, journalist there in Melbourne, footy journalist, uh, reckons uh, St Kilda may be interested in offering uh, Jordan Degoe a decent contract. And uh, we may play that uh, just in a moment. Uh, In fact, let's play it now. St Kilda offering him five years, guaranteed. It may be up to a million dollars, certainly over 800000 Essendon and Port Adelaide, the kind of clubs waiting in the wings to, set, set, to uh, sniff and sense the opportunity. And to go, he might get a deal at Collingwood. But they had a two-year guaranteed deal at most. So it's hard to see how he ever gets anything more than that, even if they do offer him a deal at the end of the season. And here's Nathan Buckley on the same issue. To make the decision to go to Bali was, at the time, it should have, it should have had red flags all over it. But in retrospect, it clearly is, was a bad decision. To try and defend yourself after the fact was a really bad decision. And, and it's created a situation that the club didn't need. You can lead a horse to water, but it's up to the person to make the right decisions at the right times. It was a bad call, and, it's, I, and I don't want to throw Geordie under the bus as such, but he needs to be accountable and responsible for the decisions he's made. And the fact that once you do that, make those decisions, you lose control. You lose control of the narrative. Okay, and that was Nathan Buckley earlier today on SEN. What's coming up on the program? Game two of this year's State of Origin series will take place here 
at Optus Stadium this Sunday, the 26th of June, with the New South Wales Blues looking to push the series to a decider up there at Suncorp in Brisbane in Game 3. I'll be speaking to Jimmy Smith shortly. He's the uh, National Rugby League and Origin commentator here on SEN, a man that conducts his own program over there in Sydney. Uh, Very well respected, so we'll speak to Jimmy Smith uh, a little bit later on in the program. Also, I love these stories about community football. I did the Maddington Football Club uh, anniversary, the 100th anniversary, about a month ago. And uh, another club got in contact me after hearing uh, the Maddington interview. We're talking about the Sterling Saints Football Club, who are celebrating their 100th anniversary this Saturday. A gentleman by the name of Paul Giamov is a committee member, but also a historian of the Sorrento Saints Football Club, who in the early days were known as the Osborne Park Football Club. And as I recall... When I used to cover the Sunday Football League many, many moons ago, they were quite a powerful club together with Wanneroo. They're in the northern suburbs. And, of course, then they amalgamated with the South Suburban Football League clubs to make the Sunday Football League. And it was a terrific competition. And, in fact, we broadcast it on radio. So I'll be speaking to Paul Giamov. And what I like about these community clubs particularly when they have anniversaries like Maddington did 100 years and now the Sterling Saints 100 years, is the recognisable names that went through that club during its history. And you'd be absolutely gobsmacked, some of the names that will be unveiled when I speak to Paul a bit later on. So looking forward to that. Also, got plenty of time for your interaction here on the Drive program. The temperate bedshed text line's there for you. 0487 736 736. Of course, bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. You can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au or you can give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line. That number is 131255. And you can sell your car to Scarborough Toyota. They're in Aussie Park. They buy all makes and models, and they service all makes and models as well. On the temperate bedshed text line, Mike says, Hi, Pete. Collingwood's motto should be common sense. Isn't that common? That's cheers from Mike. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting time for the Collingwood Football Club. Today, Adam Simpson uh, conducted his media conference. Normally, he would have done it uh, the day before a game, but these days he's pushed it early into the week. And in recent weeks, he's done it on Tuesday. Uh, He was up and spoke very well ahead of what is now a real winnable game for West Coast against Essendon here at Optus Stadium, 6.40 start on Friday night. Here's just a bit of what Adam Simpson, the Eagles coach, had to say earlier today. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's at hospital, so he's... um... He's now in recovery mode, so, um, yeah, significant damage, but, um, yeah, he's in good health now, so now it's about recovery. Are you expecting him to come back this season? It's probably too early to don't say. Know. Yeah, look, it'll be a few weeks if he does come back, so, um, yeah, so we, we won't know. Phil. I haven't got a full report yet, but um, we'll, we'll probably know by the end of the week. I reckon we'll give you some, a bit more detail. How are the guys going with illness? Uh, it was Ryan... Uh, Kelly and Petrovsky Satan, what are, what are the chances? Yeah, the flu's getting around, isn't it? Um, so, um, yeah, look, we're not the only club to deal with that, but they're all here today, so they'll train. Um, they'll train today, so it's 
Friday night game. So we'll, hopefully they've, they've got through and they're all available, but we'll see how they pull up. But um, yeah, it, I think every club's dealing with a bit of the flu. If you're assuming you do get Kelly back, that midfield, Kelly, Yo, Shuey, Gaff, Redmond starts to take on a, a much better yeah. Yeah, yeah. confidence than that did. Well, yeah, it's sort of part of the planning pre-season, the, the midfield that um, we might have. It just hasn't ha happened for, for a while, over a year. So we'll wait, and, we'll wait until it does happen before we talk about it. Um, but, yeah, we, we're starting to get players back. Uh, I think we had seven last week. Um, you know, Liam should be available and Kelly and, um, yeah, a few other guys there. So, yeah, it'll look a bit stronger this week, hopefully. Do you still go into games in the second half of the season feeling like underdogs given sort of what's happened the first half of the season or you, you starting I think to... so yeah um, yeah getting that winning feeling back would be nice so but that takes time um, and it's not as easy as you think so yeah getting belief and expectation and all those things in play um, I think the last couple of games we've played we've been better but we haven't had a win so you know we're desperate for a win a lot of people have praised how competitive you were against Geelong but how winnable did that game feel for you for most of those four quarters Oh, the, the whole day, yeah. Um, you know, they just probably had, you know, two or three goal advantage for most of the day. Um, but we thought we were in it right up to the last 10 minutes. So, you know, we're playing a pretty competitive brand against a really good side. So it was it was pleasing to see. Disappointing we haven't been doing that more often. But, um, yeah, there's there's definitely some signs there of improvement. And that I think it comes with personnel as well. So we've got to be honest with that. Um, the stronger the team, the better you should look. But we started with more intent and we're up, up for the fight by you know, half time, it was game on. So that's, that's our goal every week. What do you make of Essendon after that? Probably their best performance in a long time on the weekend? Yeah, it probably been a little bit like us, you know, down on confidence, um, not as consistent as they would have liked uh, coming off a really good season last year. But their kids are coming through pretty well. Uh, they're a really young side and they, they beat up the Saints last week. So contested ball, looked really strong, looked dangerous with the ball as well, and they defended really well. So. It's pretty simple. <laughs> Deal those three things and you're going to be okay. So, yeah, they got good evidence last week. There you go, Adam Simpson, just part of the press conference that he conducted today ahead of uh, the Friday night game, 6.40. It gets underway between uh, the Eagles and the Bombers. Speaking of the Bombers, a bit of good news ahead of the, the game where for the second time this season they produced a Rising Star nominee and the Round 14 Rising Star, Ben Hobbs, was uh, the nomination today. So congratulations to young Ben. Just before we take a break and uh, look at the uh, big State of Origin game two that's going to be uh, played at Optus Stadium on Sunday, the latest fixture, in fact, the uh, roundup to the home and away season for the AFL was released today. Round 20, as it's been well documented, if you haven't heard as you're driving home, Fremantle will take on Melbourne on Friday night, July the 29th here at Optus Stadium. Gets underway at 10 past six. So Friday night blockbuster there for the Dockers. On that weekend, the West Coast Eagles will take on the Gold Coast on the Sunday. Round 21, the Fremantle Dockers are away to the Bulldogs on Saturday afternoon. While on Sunday, the West Coast Eagles will play Adelaide here at Optus Stadium. And round 22 is the Derby. Frio, Eagles, it's a Dockers home derby. As we know, the Eagles had the first one. And the game gets underway Saturday night at 5.40. So it should be an absolute beauty. And in round 23, both of our sides are away. Uh, the West Coast Eagles are down at Geelong. And uh, the uh, Dockers are away in the west of Sydney at the Giants. So that sort of rounds out the 
uh, home and away fixtures so with the rounds 20 to 23 released today. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, uh, we're going to speak to Jimmy Smith, NRL and Origin commentator. Looking forward to speaking to Jimmy as the troops head to Perth. As we know, the New South Wales Blues arrived in Perth yesterday and are based out Scarborough, uh, no doubt using the the seaside suburb as uh, preparation for their big one on Sunday. The Queensland side will roll in on Thursday and will be staying at a hotel around Elizabeth Quay. We'll speak to Jimmy Smith on the preparations and all the news coming out of New South Wales and Queensland after the break here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Driving you home, wherever you may be listening uh, throughout WA or on the SENWA app, this is Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Everybody's gearing up. This precinct where our SEN studios are at Optus Stadium will be an absolute abuzz on Sunday. 5.50 gets underway local time. Uh, State of Origin 2, in excess of 55,000 people will converge on the precinct and it will be a heck of a match. Uh, It should be a beauty as New South Wales try and wrap up the series and Queensland try and take it to Game 3 on their home patch there at Suncorp Stadium. A man that's flying in, in fact, on Sunday for Origin 2 is, of course, SEN broadcaster, a man that covers the NRL origin expert in uh, Jimmy Smith. Uh, Jimmy, thanks for your time. G'day, Pete. Oh, we're getting excited. No doubt everybody in New South Wales and Queensland are getting excited. Now, the Blue Baggers are already here. They're down at Scarborough Beach. Blue skies, plenty of sunshine today in 22 degrees. So Brady, Brad Frittler and the boys would have enjoyed their day today. And, of course, Billy Slade has got the, uh, the Queenslands flying in on Thursday. What do you reckon is the better uh, tact? Is it what New South Wales have done, come early or leave it late and rest and recover in Brisbane before you take the big journey? Which way would you have gone? I, I reckon both uh, camps will be saying they've got it right. So, um, you know, which one is? remains to be seen. And I guess when you work out whoever wins the game, then they were correct. But um, personally, I, I like the idea of what Queensland did. You know, get the players who, you know, some of them played on Thursday night. So they'll have a, what's that, a 10-day break before they play on the Sunday. Others played on the Sunday. So that's a seven-day turnaround. Throw the travel in as well. Um, I reckon if you just stayed up at the Gold Coast like Billy Slater did, just allowed everyone to freshen up, it's really fine-tuning in that short amount of time. You know, usually, Pete, they get a 10-day camp and yeah. they get a chance to do a bit of work together. This one's a shorter one because of the Sunday game. Um, I like the fact that Billy said, no, recovery is our primary function of this one and let's just polish, uh, put the polish on it when we get over to Perth. Um, I, I'd imagine, though, that the Blues have a whole heap of commercial partners that they're, they're looking after to be over there early as well. So... As I said, whoever wins the game got it right. Personally, I think Queensland probably did it a little better. So how hot is this match? Uh, as I said, we're in Perth. We're neutral territory here when it comes to a rugby league. But the fans will turn out with great numbers and they'll don their colours and it will be a fantastic atmosphere. What about in the hotbed of Sydney and Brisbane? Uh, no doubt a lot of anticipation ahead of this match on Sunday. It's amazing, Pete. You walk out to... Uh, a core stadium for game one, and you think you've seen it all at state of origin level. You think you, you've seen an intensity there that you don't see in any other rugby league around the globe. And then you see game one, and it just goes to a new level. The, the, 
the performances of the athletes are absolutely phenomenal. Um, Ruben Cotter, for example. Now, he's not going to be there for Queensland. Within the space of one 80-minute performance, announced himself as a, a Queensland legend. You know, He's a middle forward that I think Billy Slater thought, oh, we'll get 20 minutes out of him, maybe 25 minutes, and then we'll give him a bit of a break. And, and then the way things played out and the way that he played, he ended up playing the entire 80 minutes in the middle of the field where it's, it's tough in an NRL game. Um, and this guy's a young, inexperienced forward. For him to do that at state of origin level and play so well, is, as I said, he, he immediately goes down into origin folklore. The other point about it is, unfortunately, New South Wales has a habit, Pete, of as soon as we lose a game, we think, well, hang on, we've got it all wrong. Freddie's got to go. We've got to sack half the team. They did basically sack, well, not quite half, but five changes to the team. And, and all of a sudden, within the space of 180-minute performance, New South Wales go from being really confident that we're going to win the series to, uh-oh, we're in a bit of trouble here. And remember, game three is up at Queensland. So the pressure on Brad Fittler and his advisory group, and that includes SEN's own Greg Alexander, is white hot. Mm. And there's a real expectation for New South Wales that, well, let's go to Queensland and go for the decider. There's an expectation already that we win this game in Perth and we haven't even kicked off. Uh, amazing, actually. And you mentioned Greg Alexander. He's claimed that the team's approach towards tackling will change in game two. He thought that New South Wales were, and these are his words, too nice in the opening match. Yeah, it's really interesting the way you perceive that. Um, there's, there's a fair bit of play here, Pete. So the referees have a huge impact on the game. So um, unlike AFL, where, you know, the, I, I understand that the umpires have, have their impact too and their interpretations, but there are literally between six and 8,000 discretionary decisions that a referee makes during the course of every rugby league game. So how long has that player been held down in a tackle? Should I give a penalty? No, that's okay. All right, let him go. And then away you go. Is that player standing on side? Yeah, I think he's okay. Away we go. And and Ashley Klein seemed to let the Queensland side... He seemed to have a, a, an edict. Well, I don't want to give away too many penalties here. Mm. I want the game to flow. And it did flow. But as a result of that, Queensland thought, all right, he's not giving any penalties. Let's just hold them down a little bit longer. Let's let's do a little dance with them after we make contact. They all catch and hold. And then when called held, let's put them on the ground. And I think that's what Greg Alexander's talking about. Okay, Queensland got us a little bit on that one. Let's not let them get us on this one. And indeed, why don't we push the envelope a little bit as well? So that com- uh, comment from Greg Alexander is as much for the Blues and the Maroons as it is for referee Ashley Klein. Interesting, uh, it's come to light or in the last 24 or so hours that actually Brad Fittler, the New South Wales coach, had a secret meeting with the referee's boss, Jared Maxwell, before this year's State of Origin series. So no doubt he had some concerns going into the series. And and that's completely natural. Um, it's really interesting about when that information is released too, Pete, mm. isn't it, right? So, so we had a situation there last year where there was um, the former referee's boss, Bernard Sutton, who was helping out Queensland with their state of origin preparations, uh, and his brother, Jared Sutton, was refereeing the origin games. Conflict of interest much? Well, you know, let let the listeners decide that one. The fact that Freddie's had a meeting with Jared Maxwell at the start of the year is not a surprise at all. I'd be very surprised if Billy Slater didn't have one as well. And, and while you're at it, why don't you bring your assistant coach, Cameron Smith, who 
as we know, through a decorated 20-year career, is one of the best referees the NRL's ever had. Yeah. It's interesting. When I looked at the game one, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was fast. It was exciting. There was plenty in it. Do you think that'll be the forerunner for the next two? Do you think we'll see similar yep. football to what we saw and in Sydney? I think we'll see a few more points. I think we'll see points up at Suncorp Stadium. And that's the way the series tends to run. You know, more games scored in game two and game three than game one. Game one, their combinations are, are working each other out. And, and traditionally, because each side, I won't say they're trying not to lose, but come game two, well, remember, game two is a decider. Because if New South Wales lose this, they've lost the series. So this is a deciding game. So you have to play with a freedom that comes with that. And, and, and given the track is at Optus Stadium there, and the, the origin games and the regular games we've seen previously, it's a pretty firm track. Yeah. It, it lends itself to open football. It lends itself to, to point scoring. I think we're going to see a really, maybe a faster game than Sydney, but more points scored. So they'll, they'll get their breaks when tries are scored. Um, but few and far between. The, the, I, I can only imagine what these guys go through physically. Emotionally, that's a separate thing altogether. But physically, at this level, it's it's another 20% on an NRL game. Mm. And remember, they're pretty intense to start with. So I, I think Perth is set for a furious, uh, not 20 minutes, not 40 minutes, but 80 minutes of rugby league. It's interesting calling AFL footy here on a week-to-week basis. And the forecast for Sunday, by the way, Jimmy, is fine and 22 degrees. It's just going to be a perfect night for football here in Perth. We've had a few spots of rain over the last couple of weeks, but whether they water that stadium or not, even when it's been dry all week, players tend tend to slip over when it comes to AFL. So it may not be as hard as everybody expects it to be. Next question, Queensland coach Billy Slater uh, was asked about a couple of the rookie wingers that he's looking at playing possibly in this second state of origin encounter. Is that risky in any way, playing rookies in such an important match? Well, they played rookies in game one and Selwyn Cobbo was, was, uh, he'd just turned 20. He'd literally turned 23 days earlier. And he hadn't played 20 NRL games. And he was out there like a seasoned veteran and put a, a magical kick in for Dane Gagai to get a try. So he handled it with ease. Um, so if that's a risk, then you, your risk-taking is is pretty solid. You know, you've gambled on the right guy. Now they're going to go with a guy named Murray Talungi. Now, he's been playing for the North Queensland Cowboys. He's huge. He's a big, big man. He's 6'5". He's 105 kilos, probably... Well, that's what he's listed as. He's probably about five kilos heavier than that. Powerful runner, great defender, and, and looks a guy that is absolutely built for origin and looks a guy who, no matter what the situation is, nothing seems to phase him. So um, everyone thinks it's a risk. I'm sure Billy Sider thinks there's absolutely no risk involved as well. And if it's, if it's good enough for Billy and he keeps telling those guys all week, then I reckon they'll be fine. He was outstanding in game one. Just a couple of final questions, Jimmy. But what are the Blues going to do about the impact? And they wouldn't want it repeated in game two that Cameron Munster had on that match. Yeah, it's a a good question, Pete, because I look at him and you think, okay, well, all the old rules apply, right? You've just got to make sure you maintain your line, stay together, you know, put numbers around him when you're defending. But you can do all of that. And somehow this guy, Cameron Munster, finds a way. He just has an ability to make players miss. He's unorthodox. He doesn't run at gaps. He stops. He'll twirl around. He'll go back the other way. He'll engage defenders. 
then he's so strong he'll push away from them again and he'll run back the other way and and all of a sudden he'll find a straight runner and then he'll dummy to him and then take off on his own. He won't even have the ball. He'll steal it from the opposition. He's an amazing player because he's so unorthodox. He He's one of those guys, when you go to a tip sheet about what he might do, there's a couple of A4 pages there because he could <laughs> do anything. And and that's what makes him, him so difficult. There's a, the really good yarn about, you know, last, was it two years ago when they had the series and Cameron Munster, he before the series started, he said, I want to be like the great sixes of Queensland past. I want to be like Wally Lewis and I want to be like Darren Lockout. Now, for those people listening in the West, that's they're absolute superstars. That's yeah. like saying you want to be you want to be Chris Judd um, and you want to be uh, Matthew Pavlich. Like that's how much of these guys are legends. Yeah. And yet he did it, a- mm. and he did it, and he's continued to do it. And so that level of belief makes you think. Well, I, I can't put a limit on this guy. Like he- he's put no limits on himself. So. I don't know how good a player he could be, but he just seems to get better and better. Yeah, no, he was outstanding. Yeah, he was one of the real highlights of what was a, a terrific game one. Saying that, Jimmy, of course, you can listen to Jimmy Smith's show, by the way, if you're listening in on SENWA, 1170 SEN in Sydney. He does the afternoon show weekdays between 12 and 3, or you can catch up with his podcast. Can the Blues make it one all? Uh, or do you think it, uh, it's going to be done and dusted and Queensland will take the series here in Perth? I think New South Wales need to make it one all. They they will make it one all. I like their side. I think there's a couple of question marks around um, guys selected. I, I think Regan Campbell Gillard's really unlucky to be left out. CSC for Talakai probably wouldn't get a start in the side that I was picking. I like Appy Corusel there as the hooker. I think he's really dangerous. Um, he's got a lot of footy in him. And Cook Damian Cook to come off the bench and and challenge those slower forwards or middle forwards, tired forwards with his speed, I think that can happen as well. In saying that, there's threats everywhere for Queensland. I just think, as I said, this is a decider for New South Wales, not for Queensland. New South Wales more desperate in this one. They win this game. Then you've got to reset, see who's available. You go up to Suncorp for the uh, for the series decider. Whew, then we're mm. getting really serious. Have you been to this stadium before, Jimmy? Never. Can't wait. Yeah, no, you'll be very impressed, mate. You'll be very impressed. It's an oval shape. We haven't got the rectangular field, unfortunately, to see rugby league or international football, but it's a fantastic stadium and the atmosphere will be huge. You'll certainly enjoy it. Uh, Look forward to seeing you. Pete, I can't wait. Um, Looking forward to getting over there. Um, I have been to Perth a couple of times previously. It's a great city. And and as you say, it's interesting that I'm going to a state of origin game and one of the attractions is the ground that we're going to. So, can't wait to check out up the stadium. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time. Uh, safe flight over. We'll see you on Sunday. Thanks, Pete. Uh, Jimmy Smith uh, joining us from 1170 SEN in Sydney to preview the match between Queensland and New South Wales. I can't wait for it either. I think it'll be outstanding. Gets underway at 5.50 our time, of course, to be live into Sunday night prime time viewing in Sydney and Brisbane at 7.50. And it'll draw millions of people to it uh, around the country. And it'll be a chance for us here in Perth to showcase our stadium to a completely new audience. The AFL audience have seen Optus Stadium uh, week in, week out with games that are staged here. Not many, and you can hear it from Jimmy, has never been here before. It's a chance for us to showcase the stadium that we're so proud of to a rugby league audience through New South Wales 
and Queensland. We're going to take a break, come back with more in a moment. We're going to share a story with you next here on Drive about another community club that is celebrating its 100th anniversary, 100th year anniversary this Saturday. Don't go away because uh, some of the names that will be rattled off that have had a connection with this club, you'll go, oh, boy, I could, didn't know that. Uh, Paul Giamov from the Sterling Saints is coming up next here on Drive. Yes, yeah, coming up uh, 24 to 6 here on this Tuesday. By the way, tomorrow... I'll be speaking to Malcolm Gregory Brown, the father of Campbell Brown, who, of course, works on SEN. Now, Mal Brown is flying over to Perth on Thursday and he's going to reconnect with his premiership players from the 1972 WAFL premiership side, East Perth, and they beat Claremont. Of course, the last time East Perth won a premiership before that, was in 1959. So Brownie is coming over. He's organised this big 50-year reunion for East Perth dating back to 1972. And also, it'll be the 20th anniversary of the 2002 East Perth Premiership, of which Tony McHale was the coach. So a big reunion. I'm going to talk to Brownie tomorrow about that reunion, but more also broadly about how he sees football and certainly the issues during the course of the week. Because as we know, in his day... Brownie was involved in a lot of controversy, uh, wasn't he? He was always back page of the headlines. I'm just wondering how he would have gone these days in the world of social media. So Malcolm Brown will join us as one of my guests on Drive tomorrow. So looking forward to having a chat to him. Just some news coming out of the glory. Uh, and you're probably hearing it first. It will be officially announced, I think, in the next day or so. But the Perth Glory have reportedly signed centre-back Mark Beavers. Now, the 32-year-old spent last season in the championship, that is the second tier of English football with Peterborough United, and has also had spells at Bolton Wanderers, Millwall and Sheffield Wednesday. In fact, he played 140 games at Sheffield Wednesday, 117 at Millwall, left them at 2016, uh, then went to Bolton Wanderers where he played another 121 games in the space of about uh, three to four seasons, and in the last three seasons has been at Peterborough United. But He's coming to Perth and will be uh, in the centre of the Perth Glory defence uh, come next season. That'll be announced very shortly. So there you go. Mark Beavers, who played with Peterborough United, who, by the way, were relegated from the championship last year. They're now in League One, which is a third tier. But uh, Mark was part of their team and, of course, has got a pretty good CV. Bolton Wanderers, Millwall and Sheffield Wednesday. So he's uh, one of the big recruits uh, to strengthen that Perth Glory defence in uh, the next season, being uh, season 2022-23. All right, and just some other news. Uh, would you believe the MND, of course, the uh, raising money, the drive for MND, we had the big freeze at Optus Stadium, actually, last weekend, but it was all the big freeze on the Queen's birthday holiday uh, at the MCG. They've just counted up the donations and the money that was raised for uh, the drive to find a cure for MND. $19.8 million they raised, which is just an astronomical amount of money. So congratulations to everybody that was involved with that and people that donated more importantly. In the end, the final tally, $19.8 million dollars for the drive for MND to try and find a cure, of course, led by uh, Neil Danaher. All right, uh, we'll give you a cricket update. Sri Lanka, by the way, and this is the fourth, I think, ODI 
Uh, 4th ODI. I'm losing track, actually, because they played every second day. 4th ODI, Sri Lanka are batting their 2 for 31 uh, in the ninth over. 2 for 31 in the ninth over. Okay, let's get to this story now. 100 years celebration for the Sterling Saints Football Club who play in the Perth Football League. And joining us is one of their committee men and the man that is the historian for the Sorrento Saints Football Club in Paul Giamov. Paul, thanks for your time and thanks for joining us on the program. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Congratulations. Uh, we, I did this with the Maddington Football Club a couple of weeks ago who sub- celebrated their centenary, and I believe it's a significant milestone for the Sterling Saints Football Club. It is. Uh, we're, we're fortunate enough this year to be celebrating our, our centenary. Um, um, we're actually... Uh, our, our current club is an amalgamation of two previous clubs. One of them was the Osmond Park Football Club, which was established in 1922. Uh, so, obviously, it's... Um, this year has been 2022 is our, our centenary year. So, um, yeah, it's a, looking to be a very special year for the club. And, of course, the other club being, you said Osmond Park, and there was another club, was there? It was, yeah. The other club was uh, the Belcatta Amateur Football Club. Um, in their early years, they were known as um, ACA, which is Australian Italian Cultural Association. So, um, yeah, they, they morphed into the Belcatta uh, Cats and the two uh, the two former clubs merged into one sort of super club in um, 1998. So the origins go back to 1922 with the Osmond Park Football Club, who had a rich history, didn't they? Very much so. Um, we've sort of uh, been probably one of the more successful uh, community football clubs. Um, you know, probably in, in those earlier years, it was... It was um, or from my research, it was uh, a little bit of a struggle um, in terms of um, getting regular players and, and uh, competition. And But after World War II, uh, the club joined into the WA Amateur Football League um, and competed there for probably a, uh, a decade or so. And then they joined the... Um, what was called the, the Sunday Football League. Um, and that's when they really took off in terms of um, success and, and, and premierships. Yeah, saying that, I remember the rivalry in the Sunday Football League, Osmond Park and Wanneroo were the two uh, northern suburbs clubs that had a rich history uh, playing against each other, didn't they? Most definitely. It was probably, even though we um, haven't played against Wanneroo uh, are now known as a Kingsway Football Club, but even though we haven't played against them for a, a few years, they're still uh, traditionally they're probably still considered our greatest rival because of that that history dating back to the Sunday League days. I'm I'm told that you know in its heyday you'd have you know five ten thousand people at the Osmond Park and and Wanneroo showgrounds. That that was sort of the the amount of um, you know fierce competitiveness between the two clubs. I can always ask you if you can recall some of the names maybe that people would recognise that maybe at one stage played with Osmond Park or Belcatta or more recently the Sterling Saints. Um, probably some of the more high-profile names uh, we've had. Uh, we've been lucky enough to have uh, players that have come through that have um, had VFL, AFL experience. Um, there's probably the, the earliest one was a. a 
guy by the name of Barry McAuliffe who played for North Melbourne in the in the 60s and then played for Osmond Park in the 70s. But probably the probably the the highest profile one would be Dennis Committee. He um, had a had a year at Osmond Park as as captain coach. Um, some other ones probably would, that would be well known would be Brian Duke, who played for Hawthorne in the mm-hmm. early 70s and the latter part of his career. He, was actually a premiership player at Osmond Park. Um, Barry Beecroft, another one who played uh, VFL and, and and Waffle. He was a um, uh, a captain coach of our club for two premierships. Um, probably uh, more in more recent times, with uh, Kevin Caton was actually the initial uh, coach of the when the two clubs merged in '98, um, and probably our. In, in even more recent times, uh, I would say that Kingsley Hunter, he played all his junior football with Osmond Park and then went and had a successful waffle and, and AFL career. And um, at the back end of his sort of playing days, he uh, came back and um, not only played but coached our side for many years. So, yeah. Mm, there's some, some significant names there. There's no question about that. Rich in history and rich in WA football history for that matter. Tell us about yeah. the Sterling Saints. What have you got planned in your centenary year? So uh, probably the, the biggest event we have is coming up on June the 25th. We've got a centenary round um, where all three of our clubs, we've got a league reserves and a third senior team. So all three of our clubs will be playing um, at our home ground at Richard Welfie Reserve. Um, and to commemorate the, the event... Um, Traditionally, as as uh, a club called Saints, we've had the colours of red, white, and and black, um, as most clubs do with, that are called Saints. But um, I actually found that um, through looking um, historical research in our initial minutes book, which is stored in the WA Library, that our initial colours were actually blue with a with a yellow V. That was the initial guernsey worn by our club. So. For our centenary round, we're actually looking at... Uh, we will be wearing uh, a reproduction of our original Guernseys, blue with a yellow V, which will be a bit strange for a, a Saints team mm-hmm. running around with those colours. Um, but, yeah, and following uh, that, that um, during the year, we've actually um, had a, I guess, a poll or a survey open where um, we're, we've asked our club members and supporters to nominate players for a team of the century so um and that's um actually had quite a quite a positive response and um so we'll be looking to name a a team of the century um at a function at the end of the year we haven't determined the 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 date uh, for that function at this stage but it'll most likely be after the season's finished so Hopefully, we'll be celebrating a centenary and hopefully a, a premiership as well. Oh, that'd be fantastic. And as I let you go, uh, how's the club travelling at this point in time in season 2022? Yeah, very well. We're sitting in um, third position on the ladder on a, in a 10-team competition. Um, strangely enough, our, our we're, we're uh, seven wins and two losses and our our two losses against some of the, the the lower sides, and we seem to be able to lift quite well when we're playing top of the table clashes. So it's, it's a little bit unusual at this stage, but um, yeah, we're looking quite well, and um, we'll definitely be pushing deep into the finals. Hopefully, 
to add another flag to the club. Good on you, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Congratulations on the milestone. 100 years stronger, the Sterling Saints Football Club, of course, formerly involved uh, as Osmond Park and Balcata. Thanks for your time and enjoy the celebrations. Thank you very much for your time, Peter. I appreciate it. Now, my pleasure. Good on you, Paul. Uh, Paul Giamov there, who's putting the history together for the centenary of the Sterling Saints uh, Football Club. Just before we take a break, what well on Mitch Marsh. He's picked up a wicket. Uh, Sri Lanka now three for 35 after 10 overs. Three for 35 after 10 overs in the fourth uh, ODI being played there in Sri Lanka. A quick break and then back to wrap up everything on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Have a... Listen to these bowling figures. This is a one-day international, uh, 50 overs aside. Pat Cummings is bowling his third over and has the figures after 2.5 overs of one wicket for one. And he just had a bump ball dismissed. There was a review just in case the batsman did hit it. That was reviewed, and he's just been taken for two runs off the final ball of his third over. He has one for three from 18 balls in an ODI. By the way, Sri Lanka, who lead the uh, ODI series by two matches to one, are three for 73, uh, batting first after 11 overs. So good start by Australia. By the way, as I mentioned, Mitchell Marsh just picked up a wicket as well. What did I say? Ah, oh, sorry, three for 37. I think I said three for 73. <laughs> I was a bit generous to the Sri Lankans. Good on you, Jimmy, my producer. Good ears. Yeah, maybe I'll become a bit dyslexic in my old age. All right, uh, just repeating the big news today. Uh, Jordan Degoe has been fined $25,000 as punishment for the controversy generated by his mid-season trip to Bali last weekend. It is suspended fine until the end of the season, and Collingwood have released a statement as well, condemning uh, Degoe's actions. And the AFL fixtures for round 20 to 23 have been released And a real bumper for the Fremantle Dockers on Friday, July 29, which is round 20. They take on Melbourne here at Optus Stadium at 10 past six. So Friday night blockbuster there for the Dockers. They haven't had too many over the years, but they've got one on Friday, July 29 against the reigning Premier Melbourne. Should be a great game. And by the way, the Derby will be on the Saturday, August 13. It's a Saturday night game. Gets underway at 5.40. Fremantle versus West Coast Eagles. Interesting, in the final round of the season, uh, Geelong will entertain the West Coast uh, down there at Geelong. And the Fremantle Dockers, as they probably prepare for a finals appearance, other than the season in the second half of the uh, campaign going pear-shaped, they'll be playing finals. They'll take on GWS Giants in the final game of uh, round 23, home and away at Marnica Roval in Canberra. That's the program. Thanks for joining us. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. Thanks to our special guests as we all gear up here at Optus Stadium for State of Origin Game 2. Happens Sunday night at 10 to 6 our time. Over 55,000 people are expected to converge. And as we heard, Queensland will make their way under their coach, uh, Billy Slater, on Thursday. And the New South Wales Blues are already here uh, checking in at a uh, hotel accommodation complex there at Scarborough Beach. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back again tomorrow from five. Thanks to Jimmy Williams for producing the program. Have a great night, everyone.